Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. going to be talking about multiplication and one of the beautiful things about multiplication is that we all love to see how God is at work in all of our lives. One of the things that we desire is to see what he has entrusted us with multiplied. We don't want subtraction and we're thrilled when we get a little addition but no one likes division, right? And we don't want that in our lives. We have enough conflict as it is. So what we're looking for is really multiplication. But sometimes we don't know how to attain it. We don't know how to experience it. And to be honest, for a long time, I didn't either. I only began to learn about multiplication when I began to see how Jesus was very deliberate in teaching his own disciples and how to experience it in their own lives. There was something that he was revealing to his disciples that he wasn't teaching everyone else. There were things that he was saying behind the scenes and things that he was doing that others didn't know he was doing. There were times when the disciples were confused. They were unsure of what was actually happening in that moment. In fact, they would go to him afterwards and they'd say, Jesus, can you explain this? Because we just don't get it. Well, there were moments in which Jesus performed miracles where, well, that was in and of itself an explanation. But they didn't catch everything. They didn't understand it all. But there were things that they began to get after his resurrection. And when this story was told and repeated in all the Gospels, it was almost like, well, let me put it this way. It was a declaration that they finally understood. They all saw the same thing. And they wanted us to see it too. And they didn't want us to miss out on what the keys to multiplication would be. And so today I wanted to choose this story, a well-known story, but one that I pray would be seen by us all very differently. We would see it not just as a miracle, but one where Jesus is revealing the secrets of multiplication where if we take these very key principles and put them to practice in our own lives, we can see dramatic change. How many of us need to see and know so that we can apply these principles of multiplication in our lives? I believe we all do. And I think that it's something that we can all not only learn for ourselves, but then begin to teach others, which is what multiplication does. We want to not only receive it for ourselves, but then be able to bless others with it also. And so let's take a look in Luke chapter 9 as we would read these verses. From verse 10 to verse 17. And it says that Jesus, when the apostles returned, 
they told Jesus everything that they had done. Now, Jesus had just sent them out on mission, and he had shown them that if they would go out in his name, that they didn't have to bring anything, that God would provide, but that even demons would listen to them. And so they come back, and now they're, like, ecstatic. They're explaining all of these things to Jesus. And then the Bible says that he slipped, if you can go back, quietly away with them, and he did so toward the town of Bethsaida. Now, why is Jesus slipping away quietly? Because um, crowds are following him. They know that miracles happen wherever Jesus goes, and they not only want to experience these miracles, but they also want to witness them. They want to be able to be a part of what God is doing. They're excited. And I've never, you know, followed someone from town to town, but maybe someone here loves a band and they've done that. Has anyone ever done that? Like just been on a tour? Any, any, any deadheads here, like Grateful Dead fans who, no? Nobody, anybody alive during Woodstock? I'm not sure. But, but basically people sometimes do that. When they, when they love something or love someone, they will follow them and they will go wherever they can to get more of it. Well, the Bible then tells us in verse 11 that the crowds found out where he was going. So he, he did try to get away from the crowds, but then the crowds found out anyways and followed him. And he welcomed them and then he taught them about the kingdom of God. And then it says, and he healed those who were sick. And it's beautiful to see that, that Jesus is so compassionate that he stops what he's doing to meet the needs of those that are there. Now, he knows he has a plan and, and has an agenda. He's got to get somewhere. And he knows why. And, and God is, of course, the Father leading him there. But he also sees people that are always in need. And so he doesn't want to ignore those needs. And so he does what you would expect a compassionate Lord to do, and that is he heals the sick. And then in verse 12, it says that late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so that they can find food and lodging for the night because there is nothing to eat here in this very remote place. And then in verse 13, Jesus says to them, you feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for the whole crowd? Because there were about 5,000 men there. Now, um, what they're basically saying is that the crowd was obviously much bigger. 5,000 men, count the women, the children. It could be anywhere between seven and maybe 10,000 people. We don't know exactly, but we already know that there's about 5,000 of the men that had been counted. And so in verse 14, it says, Jesus replied to them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. And so all the people then sat down. And then Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, and he looked up towards heaven, and he blessed them. And then he did this. He broke the loaves into pieces, and he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. Is there one more verse after that? And then they all ate as much as they wanted. And then afterwards, the disciples picked up 
12 baskets of leftovers. So we're going to ask that God would bless the reading of his word to our hearts. And we want this, why? Because there's more in here than even I'm going to talk about. There's insights that I believe God can give you that go beyond anything that I teach. I believe that God can speak to you so personally that he can reveal something that is so precise and exact for your life that you'll know that could only have happened because God is here. And so I want you to see that the first thing that the disciples wanted in all of this is that he, they wanted that the crowd be sent away. The disciples' mindset is, let them take care of themselves. Let them figure out like what their food and lodging is. Let them figure out what the logistics of that are. That's, that shouldn't be on us. Like, why are we responsible for taking care of this crowd who, by the way, we didn't even invite to come with us? Remember that Jesus had snuck away, but the crowd had followed them anyways. And, and so it wasn't like a planned conference. It wasn't like a seminar that they had been invited to. It wasn't like Jesus put out the word, hey, meet me at this spot. You know, we're going to have a great time of teaching. And, and yeah, there's no lodging in their food, but just come anyways. Like that's not how he sold it to them. So all of a sudden, the disciples are, of course, taking the position of, this isn't my responsibility. Now, here's what we see, in, and this is the first principle, is that God determines whose responsibility it is. If you want to see multiplication in your life, then don't determine that it's not your responsibility. You want God to do more in your life? You want him to give you more? You want him to do more through you? Well, the first thing is don't send the opportunity away. Now, you're seeing the, as an obstacle, like I would too. I'm seeing 5,000 men. I'm seeing women and children. And I'm seeing that in this situation, I don't want to have to take care of all this. Why should this be my responsibility? But if I understand multiplication, the first thing I'm now understanding is that when I come to Jesus and I say, send the crowd away, well, the second thing that Jesus says to that is, you give them something to eat. You feed them. And so anytime I look at a situation, I'm saying, this is for somebody else. I, I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the resources to pour into this. And, and, and I would say that's true. Come on, sometimes things come into our life when we are the most exhausted. Isn't it true? And they, sometimes the need is presented to us when our need is often greater. Sometimes people are asking from us at a time when it couldn't be worse to be asked. I mean, if you had asked me two years ago, two weeks ago, even two days ago, maybe even two hours ago, but right now, like, no. The answer is no, just go away. 
And what we need to understand is that when it comes to multiplication, if we understand that God is the infinite resource of all things, then he is the one who can give us what we're lacking emotionally, what we're missing intellectually, what we are not feeling physically, and what is absent financially. And then all of a sudden, when we understand this, God looks at us and says, you didn't send the crowd away, just like Jesus doesn't send them away. You meet the need and you step into the gap and you say, what is it, God, that maybe you're asking me to do? And maybe in that moment, and here's what I have seen many times. I've been brought into situations. I remember sitting very clearly at a table with someone who was weeping, and I mean weeping. Their situation was dire. And this person had brought me in, and as we were sitting there, and as we were crying and praying for this person, this person was asking for specific help. And I remember that situation as clear as day. And I remember in that moment, I, I, there was something that was not sitting right in my spirit. I didn't know what it was, but I just couldn't put a finger on it. And at the end of that, I said, I needed to reflect more on whether I should get involved in this situation or not. And I remember getting into my car, and as that person was waving goodbye, I looked and saw them waving. And I, and I, I don't want to, but it felt like there was a, a demon waving back. That's what it felt like. It was just a person, but that's the darkness that I felt. And in that moment, I just knew this was not something that I could get involved in. And when we left it, and, and we talked about it afterwards, that person came to me and said, you know, are you going to help my friend? And I said, I don't know what it is, but there is something insincere about what he has asked. There is something that is now right about what he is wanting. There is something that is absolutely wrong that I just cannot get involved with. And then later on, it was revealed why. But there are times where God releases you. So I want you to expect that. that there are going to be times where God is going to show you and he's going to release you. But here's where we make the mistake and never experience multiplication. We release ourselves too soon. We release ourselves too quickly. We make the decision in the moment based on what we think is the right thing to do without giving God the opportunity to really reveal something else. And so when the disciples said, we have to send them away, Jesus turns to them and says, well, this is not like it's a bad idea, makes sense, and of course, we don't have the money to pay for all these people to be fed and all these people to be lodged. We obviously don't have those kinds of resources ourselves. So when Jesus turns to the disciples and he says these words, you give them something to eat, you feed them, what do you think Jesus was doing in that moment? If not opening up their minds to the possibility that it didn't matter what was missing, what mattered is that he was with them. 
You see, we often go through this life looking at what we don't have and not understanding that we have the multiplier with us. It's not about what I don't have, it's about who I do have. I have Jesus, he's the multiplier. And, and when the disciples came back and they said, we did all these amazing things in your name, the reason the verse starts like that is because once a new obstacle presents itself, they forget. And they forgot. They forgot what it looked like to go out in the name of Jesus. They forgot what it looked like when demons obeyed them. They forgot what it looked like when they were able to go into people's homes that they had never met before and be lodged and fed because they said they were disciples of Jesus. They forgot about all the miracles that they saw and in that moment, instead of seeing another opportunity for a miracle, all they saw was a mess. A mess that they knew they could not get involved in that it would be too much for them, that they needed to get past. And so when I understood this, I understood that there was something that we could all do in those moments. You know, we learn about fast and quick prayers from the Bible. We learn about thinking as a prayer, as a conversation to God in one very important and specific passage in the scriptures when it comes to Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a guy who was prayed up. He was a guy who was praying every day. And he was praying for his city that the walls would be rebuilt. He was living in captivity. But yet God was giving him a burden that he didn't even know he was getting from the Lord. He was praying that someone would go and do this, but he didn't realize that God was calling him to do it. Well, when the king finally turns to Nehemiah and says, Nehemiah, why are you so downcast? Why are you so depressed? Why are you so sad? What's going on? In that moment, Nehemiah does something. He prays quickly to God. And he says, God, give me the right words with which to speak to the king. And in that moment, at quick prayer, as he's being asked the question, Nehemiah answers. And as Nehemiah prayed, God touches the heart of the king. Now this tells me that in the moment in which we're in, and we don't always know, is this a moment I'm supposed to get involved in? Is this a moment where I feed? Or is this a moment where I flee? Do I feed or do I flee? Do I stay? in this moment and do what you want me to do or can I instead move to another place, another moment where you have something else in store for me? And so we have to figure that out. Well, in those moments, you can pray out to God and ask God, reveal, show me, speak to me, make it clear to me. Now, what does Jesus do next? After he tells them to be the ones who feeds them, he's trying to show them, obviously, that all they need in this moment is him. That he's got everything that is required to do this. They don't have to turn the crowd away. He can do it. But Jesus does something else. 
He sets the table for multiplication. And what he does is that he tells them to sit in groups of 50. Now, I don't know about you, but it tells me something that I often don't do. I don't necessarily set the table for multiplication. I don't set the environment for God to multiply. It's not enough that I believe that God is the multiplier through Jesus in my life, or that I'm willing to go and do what it is that he's asking me to do, knowing that he's with me and will do it, but I also have work to do on my part. And that work that I need to do is I need to create the environments for multiplication to occur. And that means I've got to go out in the crowds and I've got to tell them, you've got to sit now in groups of 50. Now you imagine every time you went to a group, the questions that would have come from that. Or the problems of like, can I sit with that group? Can I be in this group instead of this one? And Jesus saying, hold on a second, I said groups of 50. So I honestly believe that Jesus would have been very specific about that and the disciples would have followed that exactly. It wasn't approximately 50 to 55 in the group. I'm sure it was 50. And there's a setup that's happening and the setup is the 50 is the setup for the five loaves. Do you see that? The five loaves speak to the 50. The five loaves speak to the 50. The five loaves speak to the multiplication that's about to occur. And so when Jesus says, I want you to sit them in groups of 50, he's already telling them, this is how you can expect and anticipate multiplication that you are going to create the environments. And so we have to go out and say, God, I'm going to create an environment for multiplication to take place. I'm going to go out and do everything I can on my part to make sure that multiplication can happen. I'm not going to just leave this to you, but I'm going to do what I have to do to also make sure that multiplication occurs. So God is going to make that clear to each of us. He's going to say, you're going to go out and you're going to do this. And you're going to go out and then you're going to do this. And so multiplication is going to look differently for all of us. But multiplication has to occur. And that's what we see in the parable of the talents. Remember that? Where Jesus gives one servant one and he gives another servant two and then he gives another servant five. His expectation is what? Multiplication. The guy with the one says, you know, let's just send everybody home. And he takes his talent and he buries it. But the others who decide to do something with it, they created an environment for multiplication to occur. Now, when God handed them the talent, guess what? He already had multiplication in mind. Can we say amen to that? When he told the groups to sit in 50, Jesus was already thinking multiplication. When they came and they only brought him five loaves of bread, guess what? Jesus already knew multiplication was going to occur. And so here's how I set out to live my life. Every day I wake up knowing that I just will not just expect that the multiplier is with me, but he is expecting multiplication to occur in my life. 
So you have to have that same mindset. If you don't have that mindset, then you cannot experience the multiplication that God has for you. And so when Jesus asks for the bread and for the fish, we see that three key things happen once they touch his hands. The first thing that Jesus does is that Jesus blesses it. Jesus blesses it. The second thing that he does is that he breaks it. And then the third thing that he does is that he gives it. And he gives it into the hands of the disciples to distribute. And I want you to believe with me right now that I believe that the miracle wasn't in the blessing or the breaking, but it was in the giving. And that once it passed from their hands to the people, everybody got more than enough. Because that's how this principle works. Now, I know I've seen things fail in my life. I was convinced that God had blessed it. I was convinced that God had given me the insight of how this was going to work out and that this, there was no way that it could fail. And, and then it failed. Anybody else live there? Where, where, you, where you prayed over it, you believed that you did everything you could possibly do, but then you, you knew that God was, was also the one who needed to bless it. And you knew that it wouldn't succeed unless he did. So you got that right, and I did too. But let's be honest, sometimes we just get it wrong from the start. Like we get involved in things that we shouldn't have. We got in too soon. Maybe we got in without praying enough. Maybe we got in because the motivation was just wrong. You know, sometimes we, we fool ourselves with our words, but our hearts reveal the truth. And in the moment, like, what we're saying isn't a reflection of what we're truly believing. There are times where our motivation is so wrong that, that God can't possibly bless it. He needs us to fail in those moments that we can look back and see that our motivation wasn't right to begin with, that there were things that we just didn't want to see. We chose not to see them. And in those moments, it's amazing, we start to reflect and, and then God starts showing us all the times he was warning us not to get involved. Did that ever happen to you? It's like there's this moment, there was that moment, there was another moment, there's another moment after that, there was a this sign and that sign, and there were all these signs, and all of them were saying, God was saying, run, get away, don't get involved, wake up, this is evil, get away from this, don't stay, don't give your money to this, don't give your time, this is not the answer, this isn't the right person. You didn't see it then, because you want it, and here it is, when we are people of belief, when we are people of faith, we can believe and have faith to a fault. 
How is that possible? It's possible because Satan masquerades as an angel of light. And sometimes what we think is good and what we think is light is actual evil and darkness instead. And it isn't always because there's something wrong in our hearts. It's just that Satan's a crafty little devil. He's just really good at his job. He's awesome. There's no one better. And, and I'm not smarter than him. I'm not more capable than him. He's not going to come and, 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 and like feel like he's even got a, a, an opponent when it comes to me. Not at all. He knows he's got me even before he's in the room. And so the only thing that can protect me, the only thing that can truly provide power against what is there is that if I remember these principles and put them into practice in the moment that I'm in and give God an opportunity to unmask it, to reveal what's really there, to show me whether or not this is something that I should get involved in. And until I hear from God the assurance of, hey, you should get involved. Why aren't you getting involved? Sit the groups down into 50. I am not going to get involved ever again. And I don't care what kind of pressure is coming from the other end. I don't care how that person is saying, well, this deal is just going to be taken away. This opportunity is not going to be here in just a few hours. I don't care how many times you're going to get in my face and you're going to tell me, if you don't act now, you are going to miss out. Guess what? I would rather miss out than miss out on the multiplication that God has for me instead. Because I have been here too many times. I have experienced this too many times to fall for this again. I know that what God has in store for me is so much better than whatever it is that you think I only have a few minutes left to make a decision on. Let God reveal what he wants to multiply in our lives. Can we say amen to that? And so are you going to take what you have and give it to Jesus to bless? Like they didn't think it was enough. Lord, this is all we got. You know what they thought would happen when they came with the five loaves and the two fish? They would have said, they would have thought, Jesus would have said, disciples, you were right, I'm wrong. That's what they were hoping. They were hoping that they were going to get finally the approval from Jesus that they were right along, they should send the crowd away. Okay, guys, I thought, I don't know what I was thinking, but I thought there was more food in the crowd. Clearly, there, there isn't. Five loaves, two fish, that's it. Okay, you know what? Just send everybody home. That's what I think they were hoping. But you know what Jesus does? Is he says, yeah, bring it to me. He takes it, puts it in his hands, and what does he do? He blesses it. I want you to think about what you have right now. It may not be much. I want you to think of your salary, what you make every two weeks. I want you to think about what you earn in a year. I want you to think about that, and I want you to just take that, and I want you to put it into God's hands, and you want to, and you want to say, God, just bless this.
I want you to take your life. I want you to take your health. I want you to take your dreams. I want you to take your marriage, your relationship, or the relationship that you do not yet have. I want you to think of all the things that you have aspired to, the things that you have believed in, the things that you want God to bless and to multiply. I want you to take all of those things right now, and I want you to put them into God's hands, and I want you to say, God, through Jesus, bless them. Because once it goes into Jesus' hands, there's only one thing that Jesus will ever do once it's in his hands, and that is bless it, and multiply it. And I love the fact that God is a God who has to sometimes break us before we can experience multiplication. I don't know about you, but I've needed to be broken many times because the character with which I was born with needed it. The personality that I am needs it. The way that I was raised required it. I needed to be broken. I still need to be broken. And so I need to understand that I can be blessed and broken at the same time. I, I, I got to understand that God is ready to bless me and break me at the same time. And that when God blesses me and breaks me, then he can do the work of multiplication in our lives. Are you ready to be blessed and broken so that you can experience multiplication? Because that's what it's going to take. And the last verse that, that Jesus brings to our attention is that each disciple had to hold a basket of their own belief. Each disciple had to hold a basket of their own belief. Jesus wanted those disciples to have to go home with a basket full of bread and broken pieces. <laughs> I love it. It's like, you guys didn't think five loaves would be enough? Here's a basket for each of you full of broken loaves. The next time you see a crowd, the first thing I want you to ask is not, hey, can we send them home? But God, are you ready to feed them? Jesus, are you ready to feed them? Are you ready to feed this crowd? Because if you're ready to feed this crowd, I'm ready to take what I have and put it in your hands. I want you to bless it. And you know how many times God has called me to minister in moments where I felt my hands were unclean? When my heart was not right, where my motivation was all wrong, where my headspace was just someplace else? where I was down and discouraged, where I didn't want to do it, where I felt like somebody else should be here instead of me. You know how many times that happened? And yet in those moments when I whispered my prayers to God and said, God, if this is a moment that you want to use me, I pray that you bless me, that you break me, that you use me, and that you would multiply what needs to happen in this person's life. Don't do it for me, but do it for them. 
And when you think like this, I assure you, you experience multiplication in ways that you never imagined. Because you go beyond your own brokenness and you allow God to break you in new ways instead. You see, the way I'm broken is not the way God wants to break me. The way I'm broken is the way that Satan wants to keep me. But the way that God wants to break me, the way that Jesus wants to break me, is so that I can be a multiplier. And so when I allow my life to be in the hands of God, he blesses me and he breaks me in a way that he is the potter and I am the clay. Where he can reshape me and reform me and make me usable and an opportunity for multiplication for days and weeks and months and years to come. Can we say amen to that? You see, God is ready to be the potter. He's ready to be that in your life. He wants you to be the clay. So don't worry about how you're broken. Think about how he wants to bless you, break you, and then multiply through you. I love how Jesus could have just told all the crowds, hey, come forward, come forward, and take the bread from my hands. He could have said that. He blessed it, he broke it, and he could have said, come up one by one and just see what another thing I've done for you. But he didn't do that. He gave it to the disciples to distribute. Because that's who Jesus is. Jesus is the ultimate team player. Jesus is not there to take all the glory for himself. He's there to share it with his team. He's there to make sure the 12 feel the impact and the power of what it looks like for other people to experience multiplication. He's there also to teach them what it looks like when you don't believe and you've got to carry a basket home. Because sometimes we need that lesson, right? We need to sometimes have our arms sore and reminded and our back breaking because on the journey we had to bring back a basket. I think that God could have been so exact in his multiplication that there wouldn't even have been a crumb left over. But he wanted the disciples to have to carry those baskets. And I think about how God is asking you right now to think about the basket that you've been carrying around because he needed you to learn that lesson. And today we're going to turn our hearts to him and we're going to say, God, thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do in our lives. For teaching us these principles of multiplication so that we can apply them in our own lives. Stop being the person who doesn't believe in you the way you want us to. And start believing in you like we always should. That there is no situation, there are no circumstances, there is no moment in which you cannot multiply. That you have already blessed, broken, and then handed out to us to give. Amen. God bless you guys. I'm going to stop there. And I'm sure um, in the next weeks we're going to hear some more principles that we can relay back to this story as well as one story leads us into the next and teaches us about the principles of multiplication 
And so, Father, as you have received us into this place and you have welcomed us with your word and as you have desired each of us, Lord, to experience something new and powerful from you, I pray, Father, we have been reminded of things, that we've been once again encouraged, that we have once again, oh Lord, been inspired to live a life that you want to multiply. Lord, thank you for the work that you have done in us, the work that you are going to do through us, and for all the people that are here and all that are watching, Lord, I pray that for each of us, you would do something new and miraculous as we would learn these principles of multiplication. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.